Well, today in A Voice in the Distance Ministries, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 15. Uh, in chapter 14, the uh, the people with, uh, with Moses had made the uh, venture across the Red Sea and survived what they thought was an end to their demise there. You know, they were they were stuck in like what we like to call a rock in a hard place. And they were in the middle there of nowhere in between these mountains and the Red Sea. And then God commanded Moses and said to raise your staff and the sea will part. And that's what exactly would happen. So as they made their way across, the Egyptians with their 600 chariots followed. And right when they were all right in the middle of the ocean there, it just happened to close in on them. <laughs> and it, and it, took, it took every last one of them out as they were on their way to kill the Israelites. And, and so God does amazing things. And what we're going to see today is is the very first uh, thing that people have uh, have done in order uh, to, to show their appreciation, which isn't that of worship. And it was it was neat to see, you know, uh, to, to to read the lyrics, if you will. Uh, you know, it always it's always interesting to read lyrics to a song, but then to hear it played or sung is another story. And so we're gonna see we're gonna see a praise song today, and. Um, which is what they would refer to as the the song of Moses is what it's called here but again it was the song dedicated to God and and so there was many involved in this and and so again the the essence of worship is very important because we want to we want to worship God at all times not just when we're at our at our worst you know or at our best uh, but just just because it's the best time we could ever have and so they they made it through. They they could look back and say, "Wow, it seems like the worst is over." <laughs> but I mean, you know, they're going to have other challenges as they go on. But you know, they 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 got to observe what God did through the ten plagues and His power there. They got to observe what He did by by guiding them at night with fire, and then you know, uh, guiding them during the day is in the form of a big cloud to uh, to shield them from the sun. And so God. And displayed uh, yet that he is he is not within limits of anything, and so I gotta say, I mean, how neat it is to to be a part of him, to know him in that way, you know. And I gotta say, the Israelites here, you know, they got to witness this firsthand, and and that's amazing right there in itself, you know. But we ourselves, we get to we get to witness things in other ways that God's doing from above as well. We may not have been a part of crossing a, a, a split sea, but we all have our Red Sea issues in life to where we feel like we've made it to this dead end. And, and God, what do I do? Well, it was Moses who raised his hands to the sky. He raised his staff, you know, and, and we're called to do that. We're called to raise our hands in that form of prayer and that form of worship. Because in the Jewish culture and in, and in the word for worship, the root word for worship in Hebrew is, is in the form of action. And so that's what that's what we're doing here is we're looking at the action of that of the worship. And so let's take a look here. We're going to be looking in verse 15, and we're going to be uh, observing again some some lyrics here of things. And then at the end of the chapter, we're going to see yet another thing that God does, which is absolutely amazing in in His knowledge and in His works. But let's take a look. If you have your Bible, and uh, if you could open it up to Exodus 15, if not, again as always, I read it to you. And uh, if you're driving or just listening, uh, I hope that that's a blessing to you as I read from uh, a New King James Version. And it says, Then Moses and the children of Israel 
sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the great sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He, has, he is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chari- chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. And again, you know, it's interesting to, to read a song without hearing it. But especially the, the first worship song written in the Bible, which this is considered the first worship song written. It's considered the oldest song found, and it, it became normal practices in the worship of then and now. Uh, music became such an important part of worship in Israel, you know, singing in the expression of praise and thanksgiving. Uh, it, it was in fact commanded. It was commanded to sing unto the Lord. Not suggested, but it was commanded. As God deserves the praise, in fact, it goes on in heaven, as we know, right? Singing is going on in heaven all the time, as it was said and recorded in the book of Revelation when, when the Apostle John was brought up there in spirit. You know, people have written songs for other people and, and love songs. Um, some have written uh, songs in remembrance of those who have passed away. But yet, the passion and worship songs toward God are the most passionate as they should be. The first lyrics are, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, is what was said, right? Um, you know, I myself, am a, I'm a percussionist. Um, I do play some guitar as well, but, you know, it's a joy to sing with others in collective worship. Uh, some people refuse to sing because they say that they can't sing. But it, it comes down to, I, I won't sing because of the surrounding audience. And, and the singing is to the audience of one. And regardless of the skill of someone's voice, when many come together to sing unto the Lord, it becomes a joyful noise unto his ears, especially when in praise and honor. Uh, Recognition of the Lord is my strength. And that speaks volumes because we can say the Lord gives me strength and he does. He does. But when when he's in you, we can say uh, what the people here were singing, that the Lord is my strength. As, As strength comes from within. And through that, he has become my salvation. And, and how true that is, because we cannot save ourselves. And it's always neat to, to recognize God in that way. You know, how do you see God is the question. How do you see him yourself? Because many like to categorize the Lord into their own particular thoughts. Uh, perhaps from personal experience, as God is wrath to some, God is love to others, God is mercy to some, God is long-suffering to others. <laughs> and, and he's all these things. We, uh, and we will see that, if anything, that God is holy. That's what he is in all things. He is holy because holy means set apart. And set apart the Lord is by his holiness. He, he is perfection in all things. And what we lack is, is none of us in, in mankind actually come close to. Right? In, in that of holiness. Sing unto him. Sing as you're alone. Sing in a group. Sing in a choir. It's, it's a blessing to do. You know, I, I've been in a large church where it was just a, a one time it was a, a praise night and communion. And the sanctuary, the sanctuary held a couple thousand or more. And it was amazing between the worship leaders and the congregation singing as a whole. 
but I've also been amongst uh, 10 to 20 people in a sanctuary. And, and within that 10 to 20 people, you would have thought that a burst of light was going to uh, go right through the ceiling into the sky as a beam of light in the area. Because I can say that the presence of the Lord was in the small sanctuary just as much as he was in the big sanctuary. Be, why? Because the worship was done in truth and, and within praise and passion. And when it's done in that way, the Lord is definitely in the house. And may we observe closely the words of, in this chapter because it was pleasing to God, right? Look at verses 6 through 10 as I read. It says, your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the water were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap. The depths con- uh, congealed, uh, congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. And my desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in, in mighty waters. Uh, in the song, you know, it gives a description of the power in the hand of God. The, the right hand was, was what was mentioned here, you know, because one would have to wonder the things, what would happen if God used both hands, right? The, the right hand was considered the strong hand. Uh, it was considered the, the hand with skill. But that was in human form, of course, because, you know, the Israelites later on will be known for fighting strictly with the right hand. Uh, the tribe of Benjamin would be the only one uh, tribe that was trained with both left and right. Uh, but in the scriptures of the right hand of God, it is found actually to be mentioned 50 times throughout the Old and New Testament. If you were to do a research on that, the right hand of God throughout the Old and New Testament mentioned 50 times. So why not sing to God when they witness 600 Egyptian chariots and marchers coming towards you as you're trapped in between mountains and the Red Sea? Right, The most powerful military in the world at that time, defeated by the Red Sea, crashing on every one of them, all by the right hand of God. And I love what was said in, in one of the 50 scriptures on the right hand, which is what I found in Psalm chapter 48, verse 10. As, as It says, as your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Many will be singing praises of God throughout the Bible, as we will see. But how sweet it is to hear the praises of people today in their testimony. The the mighty right hand of God and what he has done and continues to do for us in this day and age. In verse 11 to 13 it says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You and your mercy have led forth. The people whom you have redeemed, you have, you have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. And when they sang, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? I, I feel after the last few chapters, that is a good question. <laughs> who is like you among gods? And that is easy because no other gods exist and he proved it. Because the Israelites were singing, even though they were grumbling to Moses before this, um, you know, yet Moses showed a positive attitude of faith. Stay still, God will fight for you. You know, did, did you ever have someone, now I was thinking about that, did you ever have someone in school 
who was the big person, right? The, the big person that no one messed with. Everyone, everyone feared them. You know, you walked, you walked proudly, fearless, as long as they were with you. But the thing is, they're not with you 24-7 like the Lord. And they're not invincible like the Lord. I have a cousin um, who's about uh, eight years older than me. And we grew up in a we grew up in a pretty rough town in Southern California. Uh, and when I was younger, we would walk to a lot of areas together. And at night too, uh, at night there were places that most most people wouldn't go to. But the thing was, is I, I never feared when we were together. Uh, when when I was with him, I, I could walk through the darkest alley, and I and I felt fine. But then he went to prison when I was 14 years old. <laughs> so if, I eventually I eventually walked those same areas by myself at times. But I see I wisened up and I prayed as I was going through these places with the realization that I needed God and not so much another person. Though God uses people just as he did Moses, the glory goes to God. You know, he protected me as, as God protected others. And, and so looking back on my life as I do uh, the lives of those during these times, I have a song to the Lord that I find myself uh, from time to time singing to him. And, I, and may I do more and more. And may I do it more just because. Just because it's him and just because it's deserved. Because true love is not just in what can I get out of this from you. But it's just because, right? Just because he created us and, and thought of us. And wants us. How precious that is. And and I pray that we see that as we continue, uh, let's see what more he said to the Lord in verse 14. And that would be 14 to 21. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. The fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. And they will be as still as, still as a stone till your people pass, O oh Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, which, you, which your hands have established. For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots, and the horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the, trim, uh, the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and its rider. His, he has thrown into the sea. In, in the song they sang about Moab, Edom, and Canaan in, in the defeat to come, and, and that's interesting because that, that'll be many years later. Because they, these things did take place, and it was accomplished. And we have Miriam, who was the older sister of Moses. Uh, she was called a prophetess right here. Uh, the, you know, Mo, she was written down to be a prophetess, and 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 she led the worship segment with with the women in the group. And as she was called a prophetess, uh, as she had received a prophecy from God in the book of Numbers, chapter twenty-six. You know, I look at this family. This this family is quite special. 
you know, Moses' brother Aaron would be the high priest of the priesthood and in his lineage. Moses was the most respected leader and prophet in Israel's existence. And then we have Miriam, who was this prophetess used by God, who was most likely, she was also most likely the one who put Moses in the basket in the Nile when he was a baby. Uh, because scripture spoke of his older sister. So nowhere else did we see other siblings besides these ones. So it, it was probably Miriam who had a part of that. And, and this song also was a resemblance of what was uh, put in the book of Revelation and the song heard in heaven. The, the, the outlook was beyond just delivering out of Egypt, but bringing them into a promised land, you know, in, in a precious gift of a new home that will be theirs. It'll be their home without slavery, without a, uh, abuse, a, a land that will flourish in many ways. And we look at the, uh, we could look at the book of Psalms. And, and, uh, the book was in, in many songs by King David, right? King David, this gifted musician. We also had Asaph, uh, David's chief musician, uh, he, as well. He wrote some psalms as, as some were written by Moses even, as they were considered the songs of worship hymns sang in Israel, which what the book of Psalms was. And even Moses wrote some of the psalm, the psalms that we put in there. Those would be the oldest psalms, um, which is, uh, Chapter ninety ninety one uh, also believed in church um, history to be also possibly through ninety through one hundred. So there's a possibility that Moses uh, might have had some uh, ten psalms written in there. And so we sing in faith. The people here were singing in victory. And in the New Testament, there was there was Paul and Silas right in prison. What were they doing? They were singing to the Lord. And I can imagine other prisoners probably baffled by such a thing, being, you know, stuck in a Roman prison, which was the worst prison you could be in. And then afterwards, the ground shook, the chains were loosened, and the Lord was glorified. Because the Lord loves singing unto him. I heard some people who had songs dedicated to them, uh, they, they would say how flattered they were that, that someone would actually do that for them. Well, well God loves that, Guaranteed. I remember one time teaching some young kids in a Sunday school. And the youngest girl in the group was about, I'd say about six years old. And six years old at the time. And she stopped me for a question and asked if she could sing a song to the Lord that she wrote. And I said, well, of course. So she sang the song and, and we applauded her. You know, but I'm sure that God looked down and he inclined his ear to hear one of his little ones sing to him. And in a song that she wrote herself. You know, I was touched. I can imagine how much more the Lord was, right? What is your song to the Lord? Right? What is your song to the Lord? The greatest worship leaders are not so much the ones with the, the greatest voices. They're, they're not the, the most skilled in musicianship, although those things are important. The greatest worship leaders are the ones who can lead those to the presence of God and then disappear off the stage. That when you open your eyes, we see only the Lord and not the ones who played. And looking at the lyrics, looking at the lyrics of this chapter is very strong and passionate, right? Giving glory to the, uh, to the actual events and the events to come. Right, because and how neat to see the very first worship song in the Word of God, and and with that the Word of uh, the Word of God's worship song here spoke of the provisions that He made, giving the reason for the worship song. Now, as we come to uh, the the later part of the chapter, 
after they've sung their song, they made, they made their way um, a little further. But they came to one other uh, situation, if you will, another life-threatening or life-questioning situation. And God, again, works in so many ways. God created all things. Let's take a look here and see what he did in verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea when they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went for three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, when they came to, uh, to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, and the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. And said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the disease on you which I have brought out of the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there uh, were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. Huh. Now... They have come to the point of three days of no water. And that is close to the body shutting down and then, and then facing death, right? The, the Lord always seems to show right when we're standing at the edge of a cliff. They come to water and, and then it's bitter. So, so talk about a disappointment, right? <laughs> you find water in this desert, but it's undrinkable. But God was involved. Right? God was involved here. Because I remember one time, this was something, I heard a pastor who actually went to a, he went to a village in some, in some jungle area, I don't remember what country it was at. Um, but he was in this jungle area and he was, he was, uh, doing some missionary work in a, in this little village. And as he was, uh, with a resident going through the area, the guy pointed at, uh, out, uh, the guy pointed out at the water area where they got their drinking water. And he said as he looked at it, it had some sort of blue-green moss on it. And he says, that's the drinking water? And he's like, yes. <laughs> and so he said to himself, I've been drinking this. So he asked him, well, what's the purification process? And the, the villager said, oh, we strain it in cheesecloth. <laughs> and he thought, oh, man, I'm in trouble now. Well, he got very sick shortly after. Well, it just so happened that there was an American doctor living in the area. And actually, he got to stay with him. He got cared for him, or cared for by him. And this doctor just happened to be an atheist. So during the month, because that's how long it took for him to get better, during the month of staying with him in this home, the doctor came to know the Lord with his family and ended up becoming medical missionaries. You know, the Lord showed Moses a tree, and they cut it down, and they put it in the water. Now, it didn't say what kind of tree it was, but it obviously purified it for drinking. Certain trees had medicinal uses. Uh, Perhaps maybe the sap of the tree had something to do with it, but only God knows. God knew Moses obeyed and was once again delivered. But the leading of the Lord brought them to Elim. Right, uh, to Elim, a place where there were, were 12 wells and 70 palm trees. 
And I thought to myself, that's interesting. How fitting that the Lord would institute that, right? First thing they come to is these 12 wells and 70 palm trees. And yet the Lord would institute 12 spies to observe the promised land once they made it. Uh, there was 12 apostles of Christ and then 70 elders were established to lead the people later on in the institute of leadership with Moses in, in the priesthood or, or in the leadership. Christ even had 70 people, apostles in the book of Luke. So isn't God something, right? So we found a little prime land here. Because if there were 70 palm trees in a desert, it had to be watered quite well. And the Lord had a place for them. So sometimes, sometimes we have to be brought to places like Marah, which means it's like bitter. Marah, Marah. Places of bitterness, places of testing, because we do not want to be, we don't want to be independent of God. If they were independent of God, they would have never made it this far. We today would have never uh, knew the glory of God if we didn't have these accounts in the Bible. And to be honest, the, the greatest education someone could have is that of experience. If it is a blessing, if it's a blessing to read the deliverance and miraculous works of God, right? But but it's even more an amazing. It's even more amazing to have experienced it. If we have the Lord in us, and how neat it is to hear the testimonies of God, what God does for His people by His will. And if you're hearing this and saying, well, God did not answer some of my prayers. I don't have any answers of why except that God is doing something or preventing something that, that you and I cannot see. And better yet, foresee that only he can. Now, if I can ask a question, and if you could be honest to yourself... And that is when when you uh, when you did not get what you asked for from your parents, did you truly stop loving them? Well, many would say no, but yet many stopped loving God because of that. If anything, we we look at our lives and our minds and hearts, and we should we should be worried that God would be uh, done with us. Yet He's not. He's not done with us by a long shot. But as each sermon comes to a close. And perhaps you have landed on this particular chapter. Maybe you're listening to something for the first time on, on a voice in the distance. Each, um, each one, each chapter serves a purpose. To teach, the, to teach that chapter for exactly for what it's saying. But at the end, every chapter is to lead others into a relationship with the Lord Christ Jesus, who, the, who is the Son of God, who was sent to give eternal life. Right? The forgiveness of sins is the sweetest feeling one could have. And may we take that salvation, and may we do right by him while we're here with the time that he's given us. So notice, notice that the provisions that we read about on how God delivered, provided, and protected, right? How they were provided and protected were the ones, they were the ones that were walking with God as his children by love and truth. Well, you too can be a part of that by receiving Christ now. You could receive that, that, that uh, relationship, that, those provisions, if you will, on, on what God has for your life by His will. Everybody's different. Everybody's life is different. 
Some people will think I'm going to prosper, I'm going to be wealthy. That's not everybody's destiny. And the Lord and the Lord would keep somebody from that to protect them because he knows what would happen to us if if that's what if that's what we're seeking after. But the greatest thing that he wants us to seek after is him and 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 his kingdom. Jesus himself said, "Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will follow." And whatever that is, well, Everybody likes surprises, don't they, in the good ways? <laughs> Get a hold of him. Take hold of him in your life. And see what it is that he has in store for you. Again, there's no guarantee of anything. I'm not going to sit here and, and tell everybody that uh, life is going to be grand and, and you're not going to have problems anymore. But you'll have an advocate to work, to work through those problems. You know, we'll, have, we'll, have, uh, we'll have a place now when our time is up to where we won't have a problem ever again for eternity and that's what God was setting aside that's what God's doing here we're putting the puzzle together so we can see the big picture well I hope that the picture was clear enough for you to receive to understand and receive him as Lord and Savior everyone wants a Savior just they just don't want a Lord sometimes well, trust me when you trust me, you need a Lord as much as you do a Savior, because while we're here, He is Lord of all Lords, He's Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, okay? And we want to make sure that we're doing right by Him first and foremost. So let's together, let's say a prayer together if you feel led to receive Him as Lord and Savior. Father Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. Father, may you receive me now, Lord. As I receive you as my Father, my Lord, my Savior. Thank you for dying for my sins, Lord. Thank you for coming and teaching us. And most of all, thank you for having me now, Lord, as one of your children. As I receive you as my Father and my, my Lord, my Savior. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, I just pray again that, that, again, God will just bless you immensely in however he sees fit. You know, because, again, he's been waiting for us. He's been wanting you. He's been wanting me. <laughs> and it's always good. It's always good to be going through his word to see what it is that he wants and doesn't want. To see the things he's done. Because we're reading his word shows us who he is. But the key is that we want to receive him so that way we can see him in person and to be a part of that glory. So may God bless you richly in all things and may he keep you. God bless you.